Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Three Squares. We are thrilled you are here. If you would like to communicate with any of the squares, you can reach out via email at three squares mail. That's the number three squares mail at gmail.com. We are thrilled you're here. We've got an exciting guest. And of course, uh, your three hosts. I'm Charlie Arnott with the Center for Food Integrity and Look East, dedicated to helping the food system be trustworthy. Susan, Kevin. Hi, I'm Susan Schwally. I lead the food and beverage practice at the newly minted Circana, formerly IRI and NPD, all together. They didn't go with Drippin. They did not go with Drippin. They did not go with Drippin. They hmm. could have made that word out of NPD and IRI, Charlie. I know. <laughs> we are Circana, and we are the world's leading advisors on the complexity of consumer behavior. With the Yowza. really cool purple... Uh, logo. I like your purple. I logo. should change my background. You should too. You should. I'll work yeah, on that, yeah, Kevin, yeah. while you introduce yeah. yourself. Don't disconnect uh, yourself. So, uh, Kevin Ryan, Malachite Strategy and Research, and we help uh, companies, CPG retailers, uh, with front end innovation and strategy. All right, and we have a fabulous guest, Kevin. You always do a remarkable job bringing on exciting entrepreneurs who are doing some groundbreaking work. So, with that, I will let you introduce Pratit. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if I do a great job. I just know some really awesome people. <laughs> they agree to come on. <laughs> so I'd like to introduce uh, Pratit Spencer, and she's going to give us a, a, you know, a, a lot of information about herself. But just to give a quick overview, she has a great and very diverse background. Amazing. So Pratit and I met actually at General Mills, where she was the senior marketing manager. And later that she spent time then at Tribune uh, Publishing as a director of brand marketing. And then she became category director at Treehouse Foods uh, and then um, went on to Spins, where she was the VP of CPG and Enterprise Sales and the VP of Strategic Solutions. And today, uh, Pratit is the co-owner founder of IO Foods, which is a food startup specializing in the delicious taste of West African cuisine. And Pratit has her BS from DePaul, not DePaul. I always try to make sure I <laughs> say that correctly because people, it's almost like the Ohio State. People get very upset it's if you the, say it one word. The, it's it the, Ohio, the Ohio State, Ohio State this is which DePaul is really annoying. University. No, and, you don't need to say that school. Right. Yeah. And her <laughs> MBA from the Carlson School of Management at University of Minnesota. Welcome, Pratit. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for having me. Super uh, excited to hang out with you all today. I feel I, I feel like I could be in an inaugural fourth square. I always say I'm a CPG a geek, so I don't know if that was the background on the three squares. But uh, super excited to be here with you all today. Yes, we are. Yes, that that is a good way to say it. We are CPG geeks. We and and as your background shows, you you are you are definitely part of the crowd here. So. Um, so just to kind of kick us off, uh, because, uh, you know, we, we were actually chatting behind the scenes about, you know, uh, um, startups and, you know, IO foods and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people think about starting their own company, you know, and going out like in your background, I mean, amazing background, 
why, why start your own company? Like, why go out and do that? You know, because a lot of people don't take that leap. I'm just curious, you know, what made you say, I want to start this company? Yeah, so so I won't say when uh, kicking and screaming, but I, I I will tell you it wasn't an easy decision. You know, I'd say uh, two big factors, the biggest being uh, my co-founder, who also happens uh, to be my husband, you know, sidebar, but so grateful we're like still married three years into to this exciting journey. <laughs> but um, uh, in, in all seriousness, it's been so much fun. But you know, I, he, my husband started his first company when he was 24. Um, wow. So he's always had just like an incredible lean towards uh, kind of uh, higher risk tolerance than me, but also just a big idea guy. You know, IO actually started as an idea uh, when we were, when I was back at General Mills. So, you know, over 10 years ago now, um, and it was very much a kind of around the table uh, concept that we talked a lot about. Um, at the time, we just felt like the market wasn't quite ready for um, a concept as disruptive as I am. So kind of put it on the shelf. Um, but, you know, during my time at Spins, I got to work with some incredible founders. And the more founders I work with, um, the more encouraged I was that now could be the right time uh, for a concept like IO. And so in 20, end of 2018, we started kind of on the side taking uh, Fred was doing real estate development at the time. We started taking all his extra money from his real estate projects, pouring it into R&D uh, for what at the time was a bit of a side hobby. And then it just got to the point where it was becoming quite an expensive hobby. And we said, okay, Fred came to my office. I'll never forget. And he said, look, like, this is a good idea. We've poured a ton of money into it. Like we either need to do it or or not. And like, I want to do it and um, I, I will do it without you, but it will be much better with you. And uh, that was like the exact push I needed to, to move forward. So uh, we launched in July of 2020, which I know we'll talk about kind of what an interesting, crazy time that was to launch an emerging brand, um, but haven't looked back since. And it's been such a fun, fun journey. Wow, what a great story. That's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing it. So you you obviously came from a, a variety of CPGs where you had infrastructure, you had systems, you had support, and then you're a founder and a startup. Uh, what are some of the challenges maybe that surprised you over the last three years as you went from, okay, I've got IT, I've got accounting, I've got all these other systems to now I am IT, I am accounting, I am all of those things. Yes, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> um, so I, you know, coming from uh, the CPGs that I've worked in, you know, you have access to like the best and the brightest and in all of the functions, um, and you quickly realize uh, in startup land that that it's all you and your team, and and so and we're still lean team. We're a team of five today. Um, and so we wear all the hats. I think that was certainly a shift from the background that I came from. I think, uh, you know, I think the gift of that is it forces you to be really resourceful. It, it forces you to be much more agile. Um, and certainly given the time that we launched in, you know, July, 2020, <laughs> um, you know, we, we learned those lessons in spades. And so, you know, I think, while we can look at the resource constraints as something that is an impediment to our success, we actually choose to just accept that 
um, the, the gifts of what that offers, which is uh, kind of the nimbleness to pivot quickly in all of those good things. And so um, I think what I value from my past experience, which I bring to IO, is understanding kind of the big picture in the process. And then uh, what I've taken um, from kind of this other hat is the ability to kind of kind of marry the end goal of where we're going with this much more nimble iterative process, which I think actually a lot of big CPG could learn from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I my my mom always said kind of you got to play the hand that you're adult, and so, and so this is the hand we're adult, and so we we really choose to like see the gifts in it and kind of make the best of it. That's awesome. Although it does sound like you were actually the dealer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a secret. Make yourself a dealer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. I mean, I can't imagine just all the pivoting that had to go on. Like you, and I want to hear about this. You mentioned, you know, 2018, you're really starting this at the beginning of the pandemic, which had to be just crazy. But at the same time, you're also going out to the marketplace and the retailers and saying, Hey, you need to bring on West African food, which is not a well-known entity. So congratulations. Not only did you do something that was hard as a founder, but you went into an area that was, you know, without familiarity. So how did you convince those folks who weren't familiar with this cuisine to to take you on? Because today you're in Whole Foods, Target, Kroger, and Sprouts, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're in about uh, 5,000 plus stores nationally now. So it's been kind of an incredible journey. Um, you know, I, I, as challenging as the pandemic was, I think uh, what it did force us to do is think really, really hard about kind of the business that we're in and how we build community um, in in an environment that that was frankly very challenging to do that. And so, you know, when we launched, our initial plan was to be on the road, you know, the full summer doing demos at stores and all of the traditional things that you would do if you were kind of launching a disruptive brand that that was less familiar, a less of a less familiar cuisine. And we couldn't do all of that. Um, but I, but what it forced us to do is think creatively about how we engage community. So we actually hosted retailers and distributors virtually and did a number of virtual cooking classes. As I look at some of our chef partnerships, which was really uh, an evolution of kind of creating community in a landscape where um, people were really starved for that. And so um, you know, as the food industry had pivots, so did the restaurant industry. And so that actually opened up new opportunities to tap into uh, kind of some of the best culinary talent in the world to bring some of their dishes to um, IO. And so, yeah, it was certainly not without its challenges, but I think uh, we really use the time to kind of refine our business model. And then you know, I think people got tired of eating frozen pizza every night. And so um, the ability to deliver something different and fresh that was kind of high quality, but easy to enjoy at home was something that was was really lacking in the market in a unique gap that IO could fill. And so while the first, you know, six months were challenging, it actually created an avenue for our kind of rapid expansion um, in 2021. 
Tell me a little bit more about the virtual cooking class. How, what yeah. made you think to do that? That it's amazing that you just like said, hey, you know what? We're we're kind of stuck using Zoom. Let's do virtual cooking. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we always thought of IO as an invitation into our home for dinner. So, mm. uh, you know, fun fact, IO translates to joy. And so it the the name was really inspired by these like incredible moments that that we um, had with family. And so Fred and I both come from pretty large extended families. My mom is the youngest of 11. Fred's got a family of nine. Um, and so when all our fam- and our moms are besties. And so mm-hmm. when our families get together, there's always a lot of people and you can't have that many people together without like really amazing uh, food or you'll be roasted. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and so you know, IO really represented this like incredible time with family that we wanted to replicate for for others. We wanted others to be inspired by the joy that our flavors brought. And so uh, for us, it was, since we couldn't do that in person, like mm-hmm. bringing that experience, like bringing people into our kitchens virtually uh, felt like the obvious way to do that because, you know, what we're ultimately building is a platform that celebrates West African culture. And so, um, you know, a lot of people say like, why did you start in Frozen? That's a really hard space. But for us, you know, we were very much rooted in this idea of like, if you haven't experienced the depth, the fullness, the richness of West African flavors, like it may be a big ask to ask you to like make it at home on your own. And so- uh, we wanted to inspire people to like enjoy and get excited about the flavors and then give them kind of a cheat to have have them on a Tuesday night. Yeah, you gave them an experience at home that would be yep. really difficult for them to replicate to your point. And they didn't have restaurants as an access. So yep. yeah, amazing. Very cool. Very cool. So recently at, at Expo West, Petit, um, you introduced mini pies, which takes you now into uh, third grocery segment, frozen appetizers. Why frozen appetizers now? I could see it as you were heading into the pandemic because everybody's eating frozen pizza. Uh, but what's your strategy for entering new spaces and developing new products? Because it sounds like the the opportunity for product expansion is nearly endless. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, uh, you know, we we often joke there's 60 categories in the grocery store um, and West African flavors are very, uh, not very well represented across many of them. So the world is our oyster. Um, You know, mini pie is actually the inspiration uh, for that is an item that we launched in uh, the beginning of 2021 um, called Puff Puff. Uh, So Puff Puff is actually a yeast-based dough um, that gets uh, kind of flash fried. So it's called Puff Puff in Nigeria, where my family's from in Liberia. It's called Kala. Uh, it's called beignets here in the States, right? So there's a lot, it's like one dish, 10 names. Um, that could that could be on, on the pop quiz uh, later today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Puff Puff is uh, typically served on kind of platters, like party platters called small chop, small chops. So like lots of fun little bites. Um, and one of the kind of adjacent items to Puff Puff on a small chops plate is is typically meat pies. Mm. Um, the thing about meat pies is they're they tend to be a little larger. So while they are um, party food, they're not necessarily party size, and so. Uh, we just saw an opportunity to one kind of give Puff Puff a brother or sister on the shelf, but also um, 
kind of bring something fresh to that frozen kind of frozen handhelds appetizer space that is actually um, seeing driving a lot of the growth in the frozen frozen set with West African now with West African flavors. And so it felt like a natural extension of kind of the capabilities that we're building um, in frozen entrees to really uh, round out the plate. And so now you can have like your complete kind of app meal in dessert if you want to put some Nutella on those puff puff, <laughs> uh, all kind of West African uh, style. Awesome. Thank you. I noticed you have sauces too. Mm -hmm. And there's one sauce in particular. I saw a sweatshirt that I absolutely loved. And oh, I the Chateau sauce. Chateau. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, do you pronounce it Chateau? And now that I yep. know that Io means joy, what does Chateau mean? Uh, so Chateau is actually a pepper. Um, and mm -hmm. so uh, Chateau is like a classic Ghanaian um, sauce uh, that, that we've uh, kind of fallen in love with uh, throughout this journey. Uh, the mark of, uh, I'd say there's a couple marks of um, a really delicious uh, Chateau. One is the um, kind of deep uh, kind of richness of the flavor, which often comes from either smoked fish or dried shrimp. Uh, we use dried shrimp in ours, but it's this like del really delicious uh, seafood base. Um, and then uh, as with other kind of West African dishes, like you cook it for a long time. And so there's this like layered cooking process that I'd say. So often people will say like, what, 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 what is the mark of West African food? You know, you're talking about 17 countries all within the, with the, their unique flavors and traditions, right. but what is common is this like slow cook layered cooking process. And so that, that carries through to our Chateau sauce. Please send me your addresses um, after this. I'll get you some and it'll become your go-to for everything. We put it on pizza. We put it on eggs. Um, if you were in a, a Chinese restaurant in Ghana, that would be on the table instead of uh, chili crisp. Um, so it's really this like rich, versatile sauce that that it has become our kind of go-to condiment for everything. I love it. And my son will love to say that name. Yeah. yeah, that's fun too, right? Being 12 yeah. today. He would right? love to have permission to say that name. Yeah, I have a 12 year old too, and, and she wears that sweatshirt to, to school at least once or that's twice. Awesome. A week. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of girls, can we talk a little bit about the work that Io is doing in Liberia? Um, I believe it's Girl Power Africa. Can you tell us a little bit about that, its importance to you, and then how, how that fits in with your brand message? Yeah, so, you know, Fred and I have been, you know, have had the privilege of being like poured into by a lot of incredible people. And so for us, it was hugely important when we started IO that not only uh, were we introducing the world, the US palette to like a whole new set of flavors and ingredients, um, but also that we were like enriching the communities uh, that, that inspired the brand. So we didn't want to just be like takers. And so, um, Early uh, in our journey, we partnered with an organization based in uh, Monrovia, Liberia, where my family is from, called Girl Power Africa. In Girl Power Africa, their goal is to really empower women who have been victims of Liberian civil war and Ebola in Liberia um, to kind of uh, st start anew, get a fresh start, but really give them the resources to do that. And so 
we were so moved by their work and early on our journey, we, we said like, we just want to get involved with what you're doing. How can we support you? Um, and they happened to have like about 15 acres of land that was just mm. kind of sitting. Mm. And they're like, there's a real need actually for kind of converting that land to working farmland that obviously like fits uniquely with kind of IO's vision and mission. Um, and, you know, it would create economic opportunity in these communities. And so December of 2020, so just about, you know, five months after we launched, we kicked off our, our initiative with Girl Power Africa. That land has been now cruel, uh, fully cleared, fully converted to working far, farmland. There's three homes on that land that actually like uh, house the grounds crew. Um, and then we've seen a couple cycles of crop yield um, on that land. Um, you know, the yield doesn't go to IO at this stage. It goes directly to the women to actually create businesses of their own. So whether it's like, you know, using uh, the, the palm oil to create soaps or the cassava leaves to create handicrafts or, or food in, in the local markets, it's really creating a new economic stream for them by giving them kind of working capital um, to start businesses of their own. Um, and it's just been, um, it, it for me, um, as powerful as it's been for that community, um, it gets me even more excited about the potential that I, a brand like IO can have to truly change the world. If you think about you know, today we only, I think the stat is like we, we about 90% of our diets or 80% of our diets come from about 12 staple crops. There's like 8,000 others, right? And so um, IO brings a lot of kind of nutrient dense seeds and, and beans uh, to the forefront of the discussion. And so if we can tap into some of those communities, tap into some of those ingredients at scale, it actually creates a ripple effect on those e economies and, and, and does change lives. And so um, for us, it's incredibly exciting. You know, the other um, kind of project that we've just ventured into is, um, you know, the South side of Chicago has historically been um, underserved economically. Uh, we are building in partnership with the city and innovation center that will live um, in an environment that's a part of uh, kind of major transformation where we can be an asset to the community in terms of um, a, providing kind of experiential food experiences through IO, but that will, but also creating jobs in that community. So uh, uh, that's a 5,000 square foot facility that'll, that will host kind of R&D space and right. uh, e-com will be Amazing. a lot of there. And so that'll be live. We broke ground in December, you know, it'll be live next year. Um, but for us, it, it's just deeply embedded in kind of who, who we are as people and what, what our, we want our company to stand for in terms of its values is a company that's deeply committed to not only uh, kind of enriching the food, food landscape, but enriching lives of the people that inspire the brand. The way you talk, I would not believe you're a three-year-old brand. No. Just, okay. just for all you've accomplished, and especially <laughs> yeah. more than it's half amazing. of that was during a, a global <laughs> pandemic. It's just amazing. Um, but having said that, you even said that, you know, with 60 different, you know, categories in the grocery store, you have lots of places to go or potentially go, you know, what is 
what's the vision? You know, where, where, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, you know, as you go forward, like, where do you think without giving anything away, of course? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we want to, we want to be a billion dollar uh, platform brand that uh, celebrates West African flavors and makes a meaningful impact on kind of diversifying our supply chain. And so there's a lot of spaces in the store that, um, that where global flavors are kind of accelerating the growth, but there's a massive hole in the second largest continent in in the world. And so, um, you know, we're leaning into the capabilities that we've built over the last three years as our starting point. And so you can see that obviously with our expansion into mini pies, um, you know, we hope to kind of tackle center store at some point. And we've started to do that with our sauces. Um, but the world is very much our oyster in that way. And so we're excited about um, kind of where the demand is, where the need is. Uh, Susan, you can you can help help us figure that out. <laughs> Actually, um, we should talk offline. <laughs> um, Especially if you're starting like an innovation incubator in Chicago, we have some programs. So let's talk. Awesome. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, lots of runway, lots of places to go. And, and, and we're, we're, the plan, like I said, is to build a brilliant billion dollar brand where you can go down any aisle of, of the store and, and experience some flavors of West Africa. Yeah. Well, with well, all you've done in three years, I think a billion dollars might even be underselling yeah. where you're going. <laughs> you. I like yeah. how you're thinking. I like how you're Very thinking. impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> Just remember us when. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Prateet, thank you so much. This has been really fascinating. And I look forward to, to trying some of the product and uh, look forward to following your progress as you continue to move forward. And you are more than welcome to stick around for the quiz. So it's, it's time for What the Food? Yes. With Kevin Ryan, <laughs> our, our resident food scientist and an expert on all things culinary. So Kevin, we're going to turn it over to you so you can stump us once again on What the Food. All right. Well, I was very optimistic when I came up with this quiz because I was looking at the calendar and I was like, you know what? I was not looking out the window. It's actually spring it according to the calendar. <laughs> So I was thinking springtime and what about, you know, let's, let's talk about springtime foods, you know, growth, planting, Ooh. new birth, all that kind of stuff. So this is a springtime food quiz. All right. So, and, and as Charlie said, Pratit, you're more than welcome here. So to, to join in. So first question at the height of its growing season, how much can asparagus grow in a 24 hour period? Is it a less than an inch? B, three inches, C, seven inches, or D, 10 inches in a 24-hour period? 10. Susan says 10. I got to go with three. I just, that seems like it's a stretch. Petite, what's your thought? I'm going to say three, two. Susan is correct. What? In a height of its growing season, which is actually in the height of summer. It actually has been marked, it's been measured that it can grow. I have wild asparagus in my field. Oh, also, I live near the asparagus capital, asparagus like sandy soil. Michigan is full of it. 
Really? There is in Hesperia, Michigan, not where I live, the Asparagus Festival. And there is a Mrs. Asparagus. Of course. That's right. Cool. <laughs> there is. I like the Garlic Festival. I think it's Turley, California, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. Uh, yeah. So what do they do with the roots when it gets that long? It doesn't really, I mean, they they just trim it off the top. They have the special asparagus knife. If you've ever seen it, yep. they trim it off and then it just shoots back up again. So you can, oh, it's like wow. a continually, to watch it grow, it looks almost fake. Like someone just put it in the ground. Yeah. Because it just kind of it comes up, but 10 inches at the height. Now, during spring, it's usually closer to three inches a day, which still is amazing that anything can grow that fast. I didn't realize asparagus was cut and come again in the same season. It can. Yeah. It can, if it's yeah. in the growing season. Oh. If, if and I don't know how the... they're doing it now, but a lot of it's like hand picked. They have a machine yeah. that people are sitting on. You're bent over. Yes. And you're you're yeah. hand harvesting that. It's ba- it's literally backbreaking work. The hardest okay. to to grow is white asparagus where they actually push the have to gr- keep bounding it over. Yeah. So that, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Okay. Okay. okay, I'm feeling good about this quiz. Okay, All right, okay. Let's keep yeah, going. you're Susan's up. Okay, question 2. Strawberries are in what plant family? A, the rose family, B, the melon family, C, the mint family, or D, the tomato family? <laughs> tomato. Tomato? Petite. I'm going to say mint, like it's got a little bud. Yeah, me too. I'm going mint. You're all wrong. It's rose. A member of the rosaceae family. Really? Yes. They actually have the little little things that come up off the side like a rose. It's almost like the start of a rosebud. So you're close, Petite, like the idea of that. Yeah. So a rose by any other name is strawberry. (laughs) Is a strawberry. That's correct. That is true. All right. Now we're going to get into animals. Number three, what shape... And Charlie might have a might have a, a lead on this one, but what shape are the pupils of a lamb? Are they A round, B square, C rectangular, or D diamond? I don't have a, a lead on okay. that one. I've I've never okay. looked that closely into the eyes of a lamb. I'm gonna go diamond. <laughs> diamond? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go diamond as well. Petite? Uh I'll shake it up and say rectangular. Petite is right. It is rectangular. And the reason is, is because they're prey animals and they need a wider field of view. So the rectangular vision gives them a 270 to 320 degree view. Get out. Wow. Yes. So they can spot predators without moving their eyes. Yes. Can't sneak up on a lamb. You can't sneak up on a lamb. So number four. I'll never be another you. Oh, (laughs) we're going to move on from the dad jokes. (laughs) Okay. You call a cow that doesn't have milk. Utter failure. You guys, the guys know this. He can't answer. Any guesses, yes. Petite? A milk uh, dud. A milk dud. Oh, a milk dud. Oh, I think utter, utter failure is also like good, too. It's, it's also good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, number four. Growing up, many of us were told to eat our carrots so that we'd have better eyesight. Is that true or something just our moms made up? True or false? True. True. It's the lutein. Yep. Or, or isn't it lutein? Yeah. There's something in it. true. It is true, but barely. And Pratit, you're right. It's beta carotene. But what's really interesting is the story was started in World War II or got real traction during World War II because the British RAF invented radar and they were bombing at night and hitting their targets. And to get around the fact that they didn't want the Germans to know they invented radar, they started a propaganda campaign talking about how much carrots their, their pilots <laughs> that's ate. That's amazing. And that's where it really became popular is because people, even the British believed it until after the war. But isn't that the, isn't beta carotene what they added to golden rice to? Yes. 
Yes, to help with eyesight. Yes, to help with night blindness. Right. right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So it is true, but not to the point where you could run a bombing raid at night. <laughs> All right. Last question. In ancient times, it is recorded that mint was used for the following purposes, except which of these? A, rubbing on the dining room table to welcome guests. B, whitening teeth. C, invigorating uh, invigorating horses after a run. Or D, scattering in carpets for fresh smelling steps. Mm. Which is not true. Not true. Rubbing on the dinner dining D. table. What well, is that with Pratik? D. D, rubbing scattering on carpets. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go rubbing on the dining right. table. Dining table. Susan? Horses. Susan is correct. It is no! horses. No! It is Susan won. I believe Susan <laughs> oh, has frozen over. <laughs> yes. Actually, all the rest of them, everything from rubbing really? on the dining table to whitening the teeth to scattering on carpets so that when you walked, you would you know, you would, it would smell like mint with every step. Those were all recorded uses of mint in the ancient huh. world. Susan, you are up, I believe. She I is. Two. She is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I got a single one. So Bertie was, was right good. behind, though. She was. She <laughs> right was. You are a, a inaugural member. It was girl you power. Have, it was oh, all girl yay. power today. Yeah. That's right. It was. Yes. It was. Awesome. All right, Pratita, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Fascinating story. We'll look forward to continuing to follow the great success of IO wherever you go. And uh, congratulations and uh, kudos for your mission-centered work. It's, it's, it's inspiring. So thank oh, you for that. Thanks so much for having me. You thank bet. You and joining. if you would like to offer suggestions or comments or questions you'd like Kevin to ask us during the next quiz, you can send all of that to threesquaresmail at gmail.com. That's the numeral three, squaresmail at gmail.com. On behalf of Kevin and Susan, thank you so much. We'll catch you on the next episode of Three Squares. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm.